All right, good morning. Welcome to Grav's podcast, where we can all experience a search that led to a rescue. Our guest today is Lieutenant Daniel McConnell, who rides the engine with Smith County ESD2 in Texas. Uh, Daniel, tell us a little bit about your apartment and your experience. Um, my experience dates back to about 2003. I was a volunteer and uh, I worked full time doing something else, working on other things, but uh, I've been in the fire service since then and uh, volunteer most of the time, got my certs over the years. And um, finally, uh, over the years, I landed this this job with Smith County. They're great, great enough to offer it to me. And uh, I've been very blessed. And um, the, fire har- the fire department there is pretty young. Um, in 2020, that we they did a big hire where they hired 30 people, six lieutenants and 24 firefighters. And I was one of the lucky firefighters that got hired. And uh, while I was there, they created uh, driver positions. Uh, I promoted a driver. And then uh, they had a couple openings for lieutenants. And uh, I was also blessed enough to get one of those spots. And uh, uh, that was only a few months ago. So I've only been a lieutenant for a couple of months with the department. Awesome. Um, what, uh, what does you, what does a first alarm multi, or, or sorry, what kind of structure was this, uh, was this rescue in? Uh, the structure was a small, uh, older home legacy structure around a thousand square feet. Okay. And what's the first alarm for that, uh, for that look like? Um, so not all of our stations are staffed with full-timers, but it, it, uh, it happened in an area where our, box alarm was three full-time staff stations which was very fortunate um but uh we we only have an initial box alarm of three engines with three guys on each engine minimum staffing and uh we don't have anything beyond that yet that they're still working on right on um so what is the search culture within your department like who searches when does it get assigned um Something like that. Um, we have a strong search culture, and um, since we're such a young department with a lot of a lot of new guys over the last few years, well, we've built that ourselves, uh, and we train on it a lot. Um, usually, uh, we train on everything from searching first, first do searching onto the nozzle, uh, searching with no nozzle, um, second do searching. Uh, if the first do is fighting fire, it's uh, very fluid in our department because we have to be able to do a little bit of everything being out in the county and not a lot of resources and manpower. And then where'd you guys, where's your department get that culture from? I mean, you guys are, like you're saying, you're kind of pretty young within your department. Where that, where did, where'd you guys get influence from and how did that happen within your department? Um, a lot of the guys bring it with them from where they came from before. Uh and or they came there because they wanted that culture and they weren't getting it from their previous department or place. And then a lot of us are passing it on to, uh, to the younger guys that are just getting started. We have a lot of those too. That's pretty awesome. Um, and then what's your typical residential search look like? Do you guys search through windows? You guys search no matter what kind of opening you get split search when you guys uh, aren't not on the line, like when you go to search it ahead of the line or second in, what do you guys do? Type of search. Um, uh, like before, it's, it's pretty fluid. It's up to the 
the officer on the particular crew that's assigned that and command's not going to tell us how to search. That's going to be decided by the company officer when they go, when they're told to search. A lot of time we've trained on all, all of it. Um, we've trained on uh, split searches, oriented searches, uh, off the nozzle, uh, VES. Uh, we do a lot of VES as well. But yeah, that's pretty much what we do. It's, there's nothing really set in stone. Good, good. Just, just decision-based search. I like that. Correct, yeah. All right, Daniel, uh, take us back to May 18th, 2022. Tell us about your box alarm. Um, so the initial tones dropped, and it was a very rare time, which all those firemen can relate to. Uh, both my driver and my firefighter were literally in the middle of their shower. So we we're about a minute slower getting out of the house than we usually are. And um, it was in our neighboring district of Noonday. And I'm, I was riding Flint Engine 1. That's where I'm assigned. Uh, fortunately, Noonday and Flint are, our districts are so, we can get to each other's districts so quickly that I knew we'd be right on their tail coming into this call. Um, but our third due on this one was 18 minutes away. So I knew they were going to be a little longer. Um, our first due was a step up officer since the full-time officer was off that day. Um, and so, uh, and he was a little younger and less experienced. And I, so I knew in route that I was probably going to have to watch out a little bit. And, uh, so we went in route. It wasn't too far. It was about an eight minute response area. And, uh, we were, uh, battalion chief arrived first. And, um, we had a volunteer who drives a Tahoe that arrived there right after him. Um, about a minute or two before the first due engine. And uh, he said, we didn't get much of a size up. So I really didn't know what we were getting into. And uh, there was reports on the initial alarm that uh, there was kids trapped, which later I found out was the mom of a 33 year old just saying her baby's inside. And um, so we arrived right after Noonday got there and Noonday was assigned to VES, the Alpha Bravo window where the victim was reported to be. And uh, I, we arrived on scene just a couple minutes after noon day. They had a ladder set to that window because the window was about seven feet off the ground, the base of the windowsill. And so we were assigned as we pulled in the driveway to assist with VES with noon day. And so we, uh, I exited the vehicle, we grabbed my hand tool. I told my driver to check in with the first two driver to make sure he doesn't need anything. And me and my firefighter were already dressed and ready to go. We're mask up in the truck kind of, kind of guys. If we know we're going to work when we get there, we mask up in the truck. So uh, we jumped off, grabbed the hand tools. I was walking towards the ladder to go help with VES. Uh, my personal size up was there was fire through the roof on the Charlie side. Um, and there was fire in the coming out the front door and the, Alpha Delta corner window as well. Okay, and then so, you guys are approaching. What side? What side are you guys going through the window? Uh, what side of the side of the building? The Alpha side, but alpha towards side. the Bravo corner. Okay. Yeah. So there was there was two windows in the there's three windows in the front of the house, um, and it was the far left one closest to the Bravo side, and it happened to be a, that that was a wind that was a window to the bedroom where he was. And then when and it was the when you got there, uh, did they take the window yet? Was there any smoke coming out of that window or what did you see? Uh, what I saw is uh, it looked it looked tentative to me, as in it looked um, 
it looked clear. That was the only window that didn't have fire in it. And um, as I walked up, he said, go. The, the window had not been taken yet. They were just at the end of the ladder. That's all I saw. And then I um, was heading towards the ladder to go help him. And the command said that to uh, abandon VES. And later I found out it was due to some roof conditions that he wasn't comfortable with. He uh, canceled VES on that window. And there was already a line on the ground. So they came down. And the first two crew got on a hand line and worked around the Bravo side. Me and my firefighter pulled a second line off the truck, off the first due truck to the front door. And um, we started fighting fire and knocking it down. And I, in my mind, I was planning on working my way into the structure to the room where the victim was supposed to be. Well, uh, unbeknownst to me, a power line had fallen down and apparently gla- grazed or hit one of our firemen who was pulling a line on the Delta side because the first two crew got separate, were separated on a line by themselves. So we were told to pull out and drop our line because of the power line that was sitting on both of our hoses. I didn't know what had happened outside until later, um, but that firefighter, he, got, he was over on the cot getting checked out by EMS. So his firefighter on the noonday truck was by himself. So I sent my, when we came out, I sent my firefighter to go assist him with uh, putting the fire out from the exterior. And um, I walked around the front of the house um, and we had another volunteer chief who was there, but he was fully dressed out. And I said, hey, man, we really need to go in here. And I just don't feel right about this window and nobody getting in there to check for this victim. And granted, it only been like two, maybe three minutes after we'd been there. All this happened real fast. I just didn't feel comfortable leaving that, leaving that VES. So I asked him, I was like, hey, can you get me some help? I'm going to go in this window. And uh I went up the end of the ladder and he was right there with me and uh, I took a tick. I checked the room. I busted the window out. I took the whole frame and everything. It came out nice and easy. And um, I looked around the whole room with the tick. There was still ceiling above it. There's still a roof above that room, but there was fire encroaching in that room. The door was gone or off. And uh, I didn't see anything on the tick. And then I, it was a type of tick that you couldn't look down and see the screen. So I um, looked down over the window to the, to the floor and to the right, and the victim was sitting there on the floor leaning against the wall. He looked, he looked fine, like he was asleep, no significant burns. His T-shirt was still on him and everything. So I decided that we need to get this guy out of here. And uh, I yelled out, victim, 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 real loud. And lo and behold, just about then, that Dixie engine got there, the one that was 18 minutes away. They got there about that time and they came, they were assigned to go help me. So uh, those two guys from that truck, I, I dove off in the window. I finished searching the room while those other two guys were getting in the room with me because uh, the victim was about 250 to 300 pounds, which they don't train you on. They really need to make some uh, dummies that are heavier and, uh, and slick. So uh, the guy only had a t-shirt on. I noticed, I searched the rest of the room. There was nobody else there. And uh, I checked the fire conditions too. And uh, they were getting worse as we were getting the victim in position. Uh, We talked for like five seconds about how we're going to get them out. We decided on uh, head first, face down. And the three of us manhandled them up up and out of the window when our firefighters were out on the ladder catching them. 
And um, we got him into position, took us about three good tries to get him up and out. And um, we, decide, we decided to put, we, we kind of did it like the textbook where you put your feet at the bottom underneath the window. We even discussed using a chainsaw to cut the window down to the floor. Um, maybe even using a table, a fold-up table that was in the room to put them on to send them out the window. But we realized we didn't have enough time to kind of do anything fancy. So... So did you, uh, let's, uh, I want to work through a couple of things. One, did, was the, did you uh, shut the door to that room or was that door, door already shut? Uh, when I searched, I went to go do that and there was no door there to shut. Okay, good, good. And then uh, how high was that windowsill? Off the ground on the outside or inside? On the inside, on the inside. Uh, on the inside, it was probably a good three feet. Okay. And then yeah. uh, when you guys are working through this, you know, that doors, there's no door to isolate, which often happens. Um, we still got, we got lines inside coming, coming from somewhere else. So conditions getting better. Are they getting worse? What do, they, what do we have for smoke or fire? Oh yeah. Uh, so when I, when I dove in and we were getting the guy in position and I was going to look for a door, there was no door and the fire conditions were elevating. I called out the window for an, an, a hose line. So they brought us a hose and just kind of hung it in the window and I was going to use it if I needed to, if it took us longer than I thought to get them out. Uh, fortunately, I didn't need it. Um, but there was fire attack on the Delta side because a lot of the wall was gone on the Delta side because that's where it started. And um, so there was a slight knockdown and there was a little bit of a knockdown that we had done initially before, but there's still a lot of fire. So we didn't really get to do any fire attack because it was all hands on deck getting the victim out. So basically all the hoses were dropped at the time we were removing the victim. Good. Uh, yeah, so you guys are, I'm sorry. I was, I'm just trying to get a clearer picture for the people and myself. Uh, so you got, yeah, so now you got them, uh, you guys thinking about getting on the table and you guys are getting out the window head first, uh, ass up. Yes. And then how, how'd that, uh, how'd that go? Oh, um, so, uh, we, we just had, there's a lot of stuff in there in the way and we just had to manhandle them around Two two of the guys were manhandling them around to rotate them around in the position. And then it took all three of us. Uh, we put his feet on the floor underneath the windowsill. Um, and then we all just, uh, one guy under his arms, the other two of us on the bottom of his torso and just picked up and pushed them out as hard as we could. Um, it took us about uh, three good pushes uh, to get them all the way out. And the guys really outside really didn't have a grip or a way to really pull them to assist us. But we had enough guys inside to get them out. It just he was just awkward. You just you just never you never know until you've done it on a slick patient. Uh, the skin was starting to get a little loose. Um, and, uh, and he, um, and it was just, it was just more difficult than I'd anticipated, but I did, the training did kick in from all the training we've done on search and victim removal. But the one thing you don't train for is the weight of the victim and the, how slick they are and hard to hold on to them. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, did he survive? He, uh, the, we got him out, got him out to the cot, but they called him on, they called him on scene. Okay. EMS did. Yeah. Yeah. So but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't leave him there because he just looked, 
I mean, he just looked too like he could survive. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, most of our victims are taken by the, the elements, you know, not the, not, not typically fire. Um, yeah. So, so interesting with your story, like I'm just taking little notes here. It's like, you know, we, there's so many things to hit on, but um, yes. you know, you had reports uh, of my baby inside and it turned out to be a 33 year old, you know, those are some of the things that are so interesting to me in our fire, the fire services that people want to go off these reports, but it's like, my baby, you know, just the simple term could have been a dog or, you know, we've had plenty of ones that turns into a dog. And this one was a 33 year old, you know, man. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. You, what, uh, did that change you guys in any way that besides like you guys targeted searches that search the area, but when, what do you guys do with reports typically? Uh, typically, uh, with reports, we will do a targeted search. I mean, cause you got to answer for that later if they were there you got to make sure that they're not where they say they are because I wouldn't feel right not listening to a report. It also depends on who it's coming from, but you still, you still kind of, you just have to, in my opinion. What about negative reports? Do you guys do anything with negative reports? Like not that I know of. Inside? Uh, no, we, we have a very strong understanding. A lot of us do that. It's, it's not clear unless we say it's clear. Good. That, that's, awesome. we're, we're, we're very strong with that. Um, we'll, we'll eat comfortably without even question, search a place. Even if somebody says, no, I'm the only one that lives here. I mean, man, there's just so many stories. You can't ignore that. Absolutely. I loved, uh, I loved that there was no door. I mean, I don't love it overall, but I do love it for the right. story just cause just, you know, we cross this, you know, the nation, you know, people, I, I definitely don't like, I don't use, I don't use the term a lot BS just cause I think it puts people in boxes and I want people just searching. So I love the story of like, yeah, you go in there, but you just got to continue. But you made the decision to get a hose line in that room, which is, that's uh, awesome forward thinking. It's like, well, we got to do whatever we can to protect this guy. You know, understand that we have gear. We can go a lot more farther than they can and get that hose line just in case. So that's pretty awesome. How did your training, yes. uh, how did your training prepare you for, uh, this rescue and how did it fail you for this rescue? Um, my training helped me in, uh, I've done more training. I've done, okay. I'm back up. My training helped me through the victim removal part. That was a huge deal. Um, because you, uh, you always rely on your training when you, when you do something like that, because I mean, it's so hard to move somebody around. And because of the training, the training makes it easier. Um, I did forget my tick. That's one thing that I failed on, on that, that I even told my guys. And um, I had to use that guy's tick who was standing there with me. And I found out a weakness of that particular tick that you can't look down because the screen you have to look down at. Um, uh, training failed me. Um, I don't really... I don't really know. I, I don't think any training scars really kicked in on that. The only um, thing I, I heard do, from you is like the part is that you brought up for that part, at least would be that it doesn't really prepare you for the 250 pounds slick, slick willy. You know, yes. and, and so what, what I was thinking about that is that, you know, like we we've had dummies that are 250, 300 pounds uh, at our department. But the problem with those is that they typically come with handles somehow. And so no one ever cuts them off. They're made out of like some kind of fabric. So they're not the same. But like the way that we've tried to overcome it some days is like we just put, you know, firefighters, you know, don't, don't put them in turnout gear. 
put them inside and, and at least in the academies, you know, start having them pull the, you know, at least us out. It's not the same because we're not slick, but, and we can't completely go limp like you guys are dealing with, but yes, there's just not a good way. I mean, I have, I mean, we've searched far and wide and they're just not a good mannequin. Once they do, I don't even know if there's going to be one that holds up. I mean, the best of the best mannequins out there, whatever search dummies or rescue dummies out there, they blow apart in our department within a few months. Yeah. So, and I don't really have an answer for that except for just um, expressing to the guys, hey, it's going to be different. Now, here, here's a basic method, but you got to expect the unexpected. And these are things that I can try and explain in person that they can expect. But I mean, beyond actually doing it, I don't think there's some things that you can even simulate. Yeah, I did also love that um, that your IC pulled you guys out. You guys are going to go to that window search on the Alpha Bravo corner. And then uh, the IC saw some structural integrity issues. So they're like, he pulled you guys out. And then you were ins- insistent of like, you know what? Looking at the conditions, looking at the searchable. And then when the that second do uh, chief came in and then just kind of reorganizing with him and just saying, hey, we got to get in here. And that uh, you guys were able to communicate and like, yep, let's get it done. And so uh, – what a what a positive thing that with uh, putting away the egos on the fire ground and working together and like understanding each other and that trust, which lacks many times in, in fire stations, crews sometimes, and then you know just being in chief level sometimes is like, hey, this is what we have, and just communicating it out so we can actually get that job done. So I appreciate yeah. that. Love that. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, sometimes permission is um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of. Uh, sometimes permission to do something is implied until you're told to stop or something like that. I mean, uh, that, that's just how I get along with that, that particular battalion chief. Uh, other ones are different that come from more structure, like big cities or something like that. that they're going to be more like, you've got to ask permission for every single little thing you do. And then other ones like, like our, like mine, you know, a lot of it is implied and trusted for our decisions. And if it's something that he doesn't want us to do, he'll tell us to stop. Absolutely. But I don't have to, I don't have to ask him for every little thing, every little job. He trusts, he trusts me and, and my crew. Yeah. I love, I love that. Love that statement. That's good. All right, Daniel. Uh, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. If you are on scene of a structure fire with a rescue or assist with a dead or alive civilian, help us capture our wins and specific details and improve our rescue and search across this nation. Fill out a survey, one survey per victim at firefighterrescuesurvey.com. You can join the Book of Faces group, Firefighter Rescue Survey, where hundreds of rescues are being recorded every month. If you want to share your story on Grav's podcast, contact Grant Schwalbe. Uh, He's out of Florida. Nick Ledine, who's in Wisconsin, or myself, Justin McWilliams. Uh, You can get a hold of me on my personal or the Search Culture page um, on the Book of Faces or the Instagram.